1: I'd like to start off by introducing the Justice for Julie team members. This is Raul Schuett, Eleanor Roosevelt Class of 96, Julie Epstein, formerly known as Julie Strobel, Eleanor Roosevelt Class of 96, Christy Nolan, formerly known as Christy Fagnani, Eleanor Roosevelt Class of 97, Dan Casey Jr., uh, Parkdale High School Class of 96, and myself, Tracy Still, Eleanor Roosevelt Class of 97. The group of us came together about one year ago to start the planning of this event with the sole purpose of honoring the life of our friend, Julie Lynn Ferguson, and with the hopes of bringing the case back to light in order to have justice served and Julie's case solved once and for all. We want to thank each and every one of you who came out this evening to help us in honoring Julie's life. Tonight we join together as a community to honor the life of our loved one, an innocent 17-year-old girl whose body was found right at this very spot 20 years ago.
0: I graduated from a high school in Prince George's County, Maryland. My high school experience that year was likely different from many people, including most of yours. It was my 14th and final grade school and my 4th and final high school. My father was in the military, and, needless to say, we moved around a lot. My senior year move was different from all the other moves, though. My parents had divorced that year, and my mom decided to start anew in a state we'd never been to before. We had been living with my grandparents in mid-Michigan for nearly a year. Prior to that, we'd been living in Texas. After the divorce, my father stopped contacting us. He stayed in Texas and began a new life. When my mother realized this, and decided she was ready to take on being a single parent to my three brothers and me, we moved to Maryland, where my mother had one close friend. I say all this to set the scene for someone entering their senior year of high school at a new school. A school that wasn't used to getting new students. Most of the people at the school had grown up together, or had similar stories of being from the DC metro area. Prior to living in Maryland, I had no idea where the state was. My mother picked an affordable apartment within walking distance to school and shopping. We moved in prior to the start of the school year, and I began my final year of high school. I was a 16-year-old senior, class of 1996. It took me nearly the entire year to make friends. I was an artist, and it was in art class that I finally felt comfortable and confident enough to speak to others. I found that other artists and musicians were my people. The friends I made then are friends of mine to this day. I even got a job at the same store where they worked. It was a dollar store, in a strip mall, near where I lived. While I was buried in my own issues that year, I had no idea that in the same county, at another high school only 10 miles away, an entire class of seniors were beginning that year in mourning. They had lost one of the friendliest and most positive students at that school, someone they had all grown up with. Everyone at Eleanor Roosevelt High School felt her loss. Welcome to Unsolved Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Galore. Julie Ferguson got off of work around nine thirty PM at the Linens and Things at the Greenway Shopping Center in the seventy five hundred block of Greenbelt Road in Greenbelt, Maryland. She called her mother and confirmed with her that her friends were coming to pick her up. She purchased a bottle of soda at the liquor store next door to her store. She then took her bag and the soda to a flower pot just outside her store. There she sat drinking her soda and waiting for her friends. Her friends arrived a few minutes later than they'd hoped. When they pulled up at 10 p.m., Julie was not there. Her belongings were there. Her bag and the open soda, still cold, was sitting there where Julie had stood only minutes before. Her friends knew something was wrong right away. She was reported missing. Prince George's County Police responded and attempted to find witnesses. It was determined that Julie was last seen at approximately 9.50 p.m., ten minutes earlier, leaning into a vehicle and speaking to the occupants inside. This vehicle had pulled up to where Julie had been standing, waiting for her friends. That vehicle was described as a late 1980s Volkswagen, red or burgundy in color, possibly a Jetta. It was occupied by three people. Witnesses described them as two black males and one black female. The search for Julie and for the vehicle that she was last seen near were on, but neither were found that night. At 5.15 a.m. the following day, two men were walking to work along a path near an area known as Daisy Field in the 12,500 block of Daisy Lane. There they found the body of Julie Lynn Ferguson. This area is in Glendale, Maryland, within Prince George's County, and is approximately three miles away from Julie Ferguson's workplace. Police responded, and the crime scene was established. Detectives canvassed the neighborhood for any witnesses. Multiple people stated that they had seen a vehicle similarly described as a red or burgundy Volkswagen in the early morning hours in that area near where her body was found. One witness in particular stated that she drove past that area along Daisy Lane in the early morning hours and saw a vehicle stopped along the side of the road. The witness remembered that the vehicle's headlights were on and it was facing the direction of Greenbelt Road. No occupants were visible to the witness at the time. Upon returning to the area a short time later, the witness stated that the vehicle was no longer there. The only other clue found was Julie's ID. It was found on that median strip along Greenbelt Road, near the intersection with Lanham Severn Road. This location is about halfway between Julie's workplace and where her body was found. Some of her personal effects are still missing, but none of these items are of significant value, so robbery did not appear to be a motive in this crime. An autopsy revealed that although her throat was cut, her cause of death was determined to be strangulation. The medical examiner also found that Julie had significant bruises on her hands, apparently caused while she was attempting to defend herself. No signs of sexual assault were found. It appeared as though the motive for her murder was either random violence or possibly someone she knew, was extremely angry at her. But if you asked every person who knew Julie, or knew of her, not a single bad thing was spoken about her. She was described as being a loyal and loving friend. She was one of the few kids at the time who had her own phone line, and would spend hours talking on the phone to her closest friends. Her friends also described a funny moment when Julie once walked to school with plastic bags covering her white Reebok Classic sneakers, to keep them from getting dirty. The morning that her body was found, some of her friends found out about her murder on the morning news as they were getting ready for school. The rest found out during the school's morning announcements. The school principal thought it was best to let the staff and students know all at once that morning. She ended the announcement with a moment of silence for Julie. The loss of Julie had so much of an impact on her classmates and her school that they planned a vigil for her that year. When her class graduated, the principal issued Julie a diploma from the state of Maryland as well, posthumously. By August of that year, police reported that after conducting upwards of 100 interviews and reviewing over 300 leads, they had no viable suspects. The best information they had was a general description of a vehicle and its occupants. Julie's classmates would have to start the new school year without answers, and with a huge empty space in their classes. Five years later, in an attempt to find new witnesses, detectives spoke to the media. It worked. A new witness came forward. That witness stated that they saw the same suspicious vehicle in the parking lot before Julie went missing. The witness described two of the occupants exiting the vehicle and entering the nearby liquor store before it closed for the evening. The witness was able to provide a more detailed description of the vehicle's occupants. The black female was further described as being in her late teens or early twenties, five nine, 140 pounds, short hair, and last seen wearing a dark thigh-length coat, jeans, and white sneakers. The other subject... Who had left the vehicle was described as a black male, same age range as the female, same height, small build, clean shaven face, neat haircut, and last seen wearing a multicolored silk shirt. The witness could not provide any further description of the third subject, as he never exited the vehicle. Also in 2000, police released the information that they had recovered physical evidence possibly DNA, from Julie's belongings, back in 1995. As for possible suspects, police identified a person who they described as a spurned admirer of Julie's. Detectives stated, quote, He was considered a person of interest because he made a number of passes at Julie, which she rejected, which he didn't take very well. This person had been questioned numerous times, but detectives had not been able to find anything to actually link him to Julie's abduction and or murder. This same person was later convicted of an unrelated homicide, and is currently incarcerated. Another subject detectives identified as a person of interest was a local auto mechanic. He had an arrest history which included the rape of a woman, This occurred in an area not far from the location where Julie's body was found. He didn't have a solid alibi when they originally questioned him. Later, DNA tests cleared him from being someone who contributed to the evidence found on Julie's belongings. But police felt and still feel strongly that he could have been involved, in some way, because of his history, shaky alibi, and also he made statements during his interview that indicated that he was possibly involved. Nothing incriminating enough to warrant a charge at the time, so detectives let him go. He subsequently disappeared in 2001 and has not been seen since. Police are asking the public to contact them if you've seen this man, Douglas L. De Silva. You can see a photo of him and more information about him on our website, unsolvedpodcast.com. He has been identified as a person of interest. It is possible he is using an alias name. If you see him, the Prince George's County Police would like to speak to him. You can call them at 301-772-4925. You can also call to submit your tip to them anonymously at 1-866-411-TIPS or 8477. Tips can also be submitted online and we'll have that link on our website. You can also call this same number to leave a tip regarding any information that you might have that could help police solve Julie's murder. There is a reward for up to $25,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Julie's killer. The field where Julie's body was found is now a play area and shelter bearing her name on the 20th year anniversary of her death, her friends, relatives, and the community members held a candlelit vigil for her.
1: We want to remember the life that Julie had, the friend she was to all of us, the daughter she was to Pat, and a member of our community. We want the person or people who took her from us to be held responsible. Whoever you are, we want you to know that we will never give up and that justice will be served in Julie's honor.
0: That's it for this episode. You can find all the information about this case on our website at unsolvedpodcast.com. If you'd like to contact the show, you can do so through social media or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At Unsolved Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, the best way possible right now is to spread the word. So tell your friends and download all episodes previously. It's not that hard, there aren't that many. <laughs> um, so tell your friends and also subscribe. That really helps out the show. We're available through Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcast apps. If you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That really does help people find the show, and it also helps me want to continue despite having a near one-year-old at home who takes up a lot of my time. I thank you all for listening, and I will see you next episode.